0: You are listening to Episode 71 of The Body You Crave Podcast, the one where we talk about how to get back on track when life's felt kind of messy. I'm Master at Life and Weight Loss Coach, Jillian Lama, and you're listening to The Body You Crave Podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Hey, hey, welcome back. All right, happy new year. I hope everybody is having a fabulous year so far and had a great holiday season. I took some wonderful time off from the podcast and I am so excited to be back. This has been so peaceful and restorative and I'm just so pumped to be back here and back into my groove and that's exactly what I wanted to talk about is how do we get back on track? After the holidays or after a big life change or bigger events or when habits can fall to a back burner or fall to the wayside, and really just reminding ourselves that it can be a smooth transition. Typically, what I see around New Year's is that we want to make these big sweeping changes. We want to throw out all the white flour and sugar and processed foods, and we do these challenges and detoxes. And there's nothing wrong with these processes, but we just have to be mindful and aware of are these sustainable? Do these things last? Are you doing something that you can do for the rest of your life without hating your life? And so typically in the new year, what I see us doing is making these big 180 degree turns. We're like totally doing an about face and trying to go completely different. So January 1 or maybe January 2, you wake up and you're like, that's it. No bread, no flour, no sugar, no alcohol, no this, no that. And we create these very hard, strict rules very fast. And then after about 30 days, maybe even less, we start to peter out. I actually saw a study where it was January 19th is Diet Quitter's Day. (laughs) So we don't even make it 30 days most of the time. But the problem is that by February, March, most of the time we're not consistent and we're not keeping up with these habits. So we've made these big sweeping changes. We've done a 180, but then we start shifting back and we end up falling back into our same routines and our same habits That have kept us in a place where we are constantly in this restrict binge regret cycle. We are constantly trying to lose weight and we're trying to lose it as fast as humanly possible because of all of the shitty self-talk that we have going on in our brains. And so we lose the weight, but we don't ever learn to talk nicer to ourselves. And then we gain it back because it was not sustainable. It was not done in a way where we could keep it off. And then we lose it again. And we have to do one of these hardcore diets. We have to restrict harder, exercise more. We have to cut out different food groups. We have to just do it harder. And then we lose weight, but then it comes back again. Because inevitably, we're going to have time where life throws us curveballs, where life feels crazy and chaotic. We can't continue with the diet. The diet only works when we have this, quote, perfect circumstance of life that all play together, right? We expect that life has to go a certain way. And the moment we have travel, the kids are homesick, we get stuck at the airport, there's a holiday, there's an anniversary or a birthday or something comes up, it just throws us off. And whether it throws us off for a day or a weekend or forever for a very long time and we just decide, hey, I'm not going back to that. The more you do this, the harder and harder it is to restart. And I noticed this for myself and I notice it in talking with people as well who will try to do something like keto. They'll do keto, they'll do really good for six to eight weeks and then they'll start to reintroduce some things and then they'll have a really hard time going back. But they'll get back on within the first year. They'll, they'll usually go back and they'll keep doing it. But then the next year, it becomes harder and harder to go back to that restriction, to get on board because they're dreading it, because they're thinking about how this sucks and everything that they're giving up. And, again, they're trying to make this big sweeping change. And so I want you to think about getting back on track, like getting onto the freeway. We don't just go from being at a stoplight on the street to now I'm going 80 miles down this major highway. We have to actually start to speed up. We have to get into the turn lane. We have to get onto the ramp. And then once we've done our curb, then we can actually pick up some steep. But it's a gentle increase. It's not this big, quick thing. And driving in the ice last week was, oh, just such a blast. (laughs) Even in my four-wheel drive, still was crazy. But as the car starts to slide, if you slide to the right and you start to skid, especially on the ice, if you try to make a big jerking movement in the opposite direction, you're going to throw everything off. Often, we end up overcorrecting. And that's typically what I see here in the new year, is we are trying to overcorrect after the holidays, after we've had more rich food, more sweets, more alcohol, more foods that we maybe just typically don't get the rest of the year, things that we intentionally or unintentionally save for the holidays, November, December timeframe. So regardless of those circumstances, oftentimes we just overcorrect in January and we don't do it in a way that feels sustainable. We do it from these places of, I'm excited and I'm so motivated. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and do this class. And that's all fine and good. And I've got clients who do 5 a.m. classes. (laughs) and They love it but it's what they do consistently. That is their groove. That's their jam. That's how they get their day started. That's what works for them. And most people are going to fizzle out, right? And we see this all the time in the fitness industry of the gym is packed in January, maybe even early February. And by March 1, it is fizzled out. And that is what we want to start to correct and start to look at really what is sustainability. And the way that we get back on track It's by not making these big changes. It's by making small 1% improvements. And that's how I want you to think about it. I'm just getting back on track. So whether you have 45 degrees, whether you feel like you've been off quite a bit, whether you feel like it's just a couple degrees to get back on track, we're just going to do a couple degrees every day. That's how we're going to do it. And then we're going to pick up steam. So it's no longer going to be this restrict binge regret cycle. That's how we break this. We have to completely shatter this whole concept because typically what happens is There's something, there's some kind of trigger. Whether we get on the scale, we notice our pants don't fit the same way. We look at photos from the holidays and we start thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I look like this, right? There's some kind of shame, guilt, embarrassment, self-loathing that often creates the trigger to diet. Most of the time, not always, but most of the time, that's the place that we're doing it from. And because we feel such deep negative emotions, we're like, oh my gosh, I've got to fix this as fast as humanly possible, and so we go for the, those big changes, right? It's go big or go home. Let's get it all done. Let's cut out all the carbs. Let's make these big things happen. And so we often end up cutting out carbs, sweets, foods that taste good, foods that we like, foods that we enjoy, and we just tell ourselves this is bad. You can't have it. And we never learn to change our relationship with it. And this is a side tangent because we can do this with alcohol too. I see this very often where people just they give up alcohol in January. And then they just count down the days until they can drink again, but they never work on changing their relationship with alcohol. It might reset it a little bit in their body, but they aren't actually changing the way that they think about it. They aren't changing why they're reaching for a drink at the end of the night. Same thing applies here to food. Just taking the food away doesn't change how you think about it, how you think about yourself, how you think about your body, how you think about the number on the scale, how your self worth and your value. Adjust the food piece. Alone is what we focus on, though. It's like got to cut out, got to restrict, and it's done from a place of punishment. You weigh too much, you look too fat, you can't fit into a certain size clothes, therefore we are now taking away food. That is punishment. It's a very punitive relationship that we often have with food and weight loss and dieting. So we take away the food, we often punish ourselves more with exercise, and a lot of times it's doing exercise that we don't like. It's, well, I have to run because that's how I burn more calories, or I have to do this HIT workout, or I have to lift weights. And there's a difference between doing something that you may not love all the time because it's good for your body versus doing something that you actually enjoy and finding movement and exercise that feels good, that feels fun, and doing it in an increment that is sustainable, that you can build off of. And then finding new ways to make that enjoyable. And the way that I make exercise enjoyable is often with good music, it's with classes. It's with listening to podcasts or different content that I really enjoy. That's what gets me motivated and excited. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'm going to go for my walk and I've got all these videos I want to listen to. So for me, it's really motivating and fun when I think about what I'm going to be learning and, and the concepts and these ideas that I'm listening to and absorbing as I'm doing the exercise. Okay, this is just a side tangent. But back to how we typically do it with this restrict cycle. So we cut out what we can eat. We try to force ourselves to exercise, and sometimes it's punishment. Sometimes it's, well, now you have to run more. You have to exercise harder because of what you ate yesterday or last week. We have this approach where I have to try to make up for something. I was bad yesterday. Let me make up for it. Let me pay my penance. And then we can do it for so long, just kind of like we talked about. We can do it for a little bit, maybe a couple weeks, maybe in a couple months. But inevitably, we fall off the wagon, whether it's emotional eating, Whether it's a special occasion, a party, whether it's you hit a goal and now you're celebrating and now you're like, sweet, I can eat all my favorite foods again. Whether it's a slow reintegration of never really learning to address the real issue, like the real underlying drivers of why you keep reaching for food when you're not truly hungry. Regardless, we end up overeating, overconsuming, gaining the weight back, only to feel so much shame and regret and self-loathing. And even to just have a day where we are binging or emotionally eating, we wake up the next morning and we feel so much shame. We have so much regret. And then we start it all over. This cycle can happen annually and it often does. It can also happen on a daily basis where we try to be so good in the morning and we can make it until about 2 p.m. And then the gloves come off and we don't know what to do with ourselves anymore or we just can't fix this insatiable urge to eat. And sometimes it's a physical urge. It's a physical desire and a craving. Sometimes it's more of that emotional desire, that emotional urge of, I just want it. I just want to feel good and I want to feel better. This can happen on the week where you can be so good during the week and then Friday rolls around and it's time to party and you're blowing it on the weekend. And what ends up happening is that the net effect of this, even though you might be trying to cut and restrict and starve yourself during certain parts of the day or certain parts of the week, you end up overconsuming later because you have an unhealthy relationship with food, you have an unhealthy relationship with your body, and you don't know how to lose weight from a place of control and comfort and food safety. There's a lot of food scarcity, and often what really underpins this is diet trauma, because this is how we learn to lose weight. So we are at war with food, right? We have a terrible relationship with food and body and ourselves, ultimately, because a lot of this is very internalized and really hits a nerve and strikes a chord with our worth and value as a human being. But then we also have diet trauma, which means that we don't trust ourselves around food. We don't feel in control around food. And most of us create diet trauma for ourselves, because of the diets that we have done in the past. It's this war around food of like food being good or bad and off limits as really being this undercurrent. And this is what often creates the diet trauma. Okay. Because we've dieted from a place of, I have to fix myself. I'm not good enough. I have to weigh a certain amount in order to be lovable. I won't love myself until I weigh this much. It's not just, I'm not lovable to other people. It's, now I have to achieve something. I have to earn my own self-love. I have to earn my own approval. I have to earn my own positive self-talk. Therefore, I need to take the food away. And usually we're taking away food that tastes good, favorite foods, or whatever is in vogue. So in the 90s, it was fat. That was bad. And now, since the early 2000s, it's been carbs. Carbs and sugar, processed food. But there is always some kind of, quote, bad food and food that is off limits. And the problem here is that now whenever you're on a diet, you have to follow strict calorie counts, cut out entire food groups. You don't get to eat the foods that taste good or the foods that you like the most. You have a hard time going out to restaurants or attending a family gathering or a potluck. It just makes it harder to live our life. And that's where these trauma cycles come up. Because our bodies are very primal in the way that they operate, just like our brains. So this means that our bodies do not like a lot of restriction specifically food restriction. A lot of us have heard that it's just calories in, calories out. Losing weight is just a simple math equation. But the reality is our bodies are like a highly tuned thermostat that don't like a lot of change and are really designed to keep you alive. And so anytime it senses big, massive changes, it's going to swing the other way in order to keep you going. Okay, so your body doesn't think, oh, we're just losing weight. Oh, we're just cutting calories. Oh, we're just trying to look good in a bathing suit next summer. Your body is thinking, oh shit, there's a famine. Something's gone terribly wrong in the world. Maybe there's war or extreme weather conditions, but there's something that is a real threat to your very survival. And so when food is restricted like that, it creates memories in your nervous system and in your brain. And we end up with a lot of conditioning around certain foods, food groups, or any food that tastes good must be bad. It must be forbidden. And if the food is bad, now you are bad for eating it. So we don't just moralize food, we moralize ourselves based off of what we're eating. And we do this all the time. We're like, oh, I was so bad, I had a piece of cheesecake. Or I was so good and I just had a Caesar salad. Or whatever falls within your good-bad rules, you now are good or bad based off of what you're eating. So we have thoughts like, I shouldn't be eating this. I don't get this very often. It's going to go away soon. I really better enjoy it. A lot of times we have these last suppers before we start a diet. Well, Let me get it all in now before I can't have any tomorrow. Sometimes it's the screw it. I already blew it this week. I'll just start over next Monday. Okay. And so now whenever we eat these, quote, forbidden foods, especially when it tastes good, it activates the diet trauma inside of you, even though nothing is going wrong. Okay, even though you've got people like me encouraging you to eat the foods that you love, there's this siren going off in your brain and it's like danger, right? Friends was on recently. I was watching all the Christmas holiday episodes on Christmas Eve and I was like, oh, I love this show so much. But I was watching the Unagi episode where <laughs> where Ross would jump out and try and scare Phoebe and Rachel. He jumps out and he's like, danger, right? That's literally what is happening whenever we – eat something that we think is bad or off limits. It's like that little Ross jumping out and it's there for a reason. It's there to try to keep you safe. We just wanna understand what's happening and we've gotta start to rewrite this story. We have to learn to make peace with food. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight and that's okay. There are going to be a lot of people who still are gonna be thinking, I want to learn how to eat carbs. I want to feel comfortable eating carbs, but I just don't trust myself around them right now or I can't trust myself around certain foods that's okay. That's what I help clients with is to build that trust, to build that confidence, to build that peace and ease so that no food ever makes them feel anxious or worried or like they can't be alone with it in the house. It's this predator that's out to get them. No, no, none of that. But we have to recognize that diet trauma is often what underpins this. And it stems from these cycles of restrict, binge, regret, and self-loathe repeat. And we start all over again. Because we're never learning how to change the conversation in our head. We're never learning how to think differently about ourselves or our bodies. And we're not learning how to change our relationship with food, to be quite honest. We've got to understand that this is normal. We have a fear of restriction running through the background of all our thoughts around food and body image, weight loss, exercise. And we want to bring this up to the surface. That way we can process and work through it. We want to bring up the fears intentionally With safety, and we want to start to work through it. We work through it cognitively and with our thinking brain. And the more we do that, the more we can get into our habit brain. But it takes time. And it's okay. But we've got to build the trust. We want to build our skill. We want to understand our emotional eating and how to start to break this cycle. There are a few basics that we want to cover, right? So it's some very simple basics of can you get some sleep and can you drink some water? Those are always going to be great starting points you need to be sleeping. That's how your body's going to restore. It's how it's going to burn fat. It's how it's going to energize you for the next day. It's there for very key reasons. We need sleep. So you need to be prioritizing sleep. And then the water. These, I feel like, are two free or relatively free and easy ways that we can start taking better care of our health and we can get back on track. That's one thing I noticed even yesterday morning. I had slept well, but I only slept for six hours and I just felt really sluggish. And even after taking a nap, I still didn't feel great. And I was like, that's okay. I know I'm just not going to feel good until I go to bed and my hormones reset because that's what happens when we sleep. And our hormones are not going to reset until we go to sleep that night. Not only are we more hungry and we are less satisfied. And we have more cravings typically, right? There's more stuff internally going on with our bodies on top of just being grouchy and irritable and all the other things. But that's what we want to focus on It's how do we make this easier on ourselves? So sleep and water, both are going to help with cravings, food urges, feeling more cognitively with it. And then from there, we want to start to take action on how can we start to build off of this? So today I want to talk about making a realistic plan. No longer messing around, With these diet plans that restrict what you can eat and take away all your favorite foods, we want to start making realistic food plans, okay? Realistic eating plans. This is how we start to break the cycle is we eliminate the restriction. The cycle is the restrict binge regret cycle. And usually there's some self-loathing mixed in with that regret. It's not just regret. There's a lot of shame and a lot of internal beatdown. But we want to start with that restriction, and we want to start to break that. The way we do that is that all food is allowed and nothing is off limits. And the way that this works best so that they can build trust with themselves while also mitigating emotional eating is that you plan what you're going to eat ahead of time. So you create a daily realistic plan for what you're going to eat and drink. You can create it as a week and then decide, hey, whatever I want day to day, as long as it's from this weekly plan, it works. You might decide, I just want to plan each day, day by day. Here's what I want to eat. Now, I will also say that this is not intuitive eating because it's not just eating whatever you want whenever you feel like it. That leads to emotional eating. We are very specifically going to be conscious and cognizant of that because that's often what gets us into trouble. It's not the food. The food is really not the issue. It's that we are not hungry. We are overeating and we are overconsuming food because we are emotionally eating. We are eating because we're bored, stressed, tired, angry, lonely. We're eating because the food makes us feel good or it helps us relax, is what we tell ourselves. It helps us unwind. We have to learn how to do that emotion without the food, which is why just taking the food away is never going to solve the problem because we can try that. But then we need willpower and we can't willpower for the rest of our lives. We have to change the internal game. Okay. So our plan has to be realistic, which means it has to include foods that you like, that you enjoy, that are worth it. No food's bad. We want to plan in all of the food that we enjoy as well and bring awareness to our food choices. So we want to think about, like, how does this food make me feel in my body? Is it an 8 out of 10 or better in terms of how much I enjoy it? This is what I teach. We want to have food that we want to eat more of and food that we want to eat less of. There's never going to be a never can I ever list. We're always just going to look at how can I eat less of certain things. So when I started doing this, instead of doing, oh, carbs are bad and off limits and I should eat as little as humanly possible or processed foods are bad and I need to get rid of them. It's, no, 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 let me start and put 40% of what I previously thought were, quote, bad foods and just say, these are my less foods, okay? So they're not bad, they're not evil, they're not toxic. They're just foods that I want to eat less of. So protein bars for me are going to go in there. Ice cream is going to go in there. Sweets, chips, nuts, things like that, peanut butter, things that I don't want to be eating out of a jar with a spoon. I just want to be eating less, it's okay that I eat it. It's okay that I plan those foods every single day. I just want to start to eat less of it. And then I'm going to have 60% from my more list. So you might have 60-40, then you might go 70-30, and then 80-20. And we start to shift to where we start eating more and more from our, quote, more foods. So more foods might be more protein, more avocados. For me, it looked like more rice, more quinoa, more good, healthy carbs, more sweet potatoes. Because I like sweet potatoes. The Chick-fil-A fries might be on my less list. I don't eat them a ton, but it's more I'm going to try not to eat them every day or every other day. So no more shame. No more internal beatdowns because we're not moralizing food. It's not good and bad food. It's more versus less. And I want to eat more of these foods. I want to eat less of these. I can still have them. I'm just eating a little bit less. So this looks like maybe less in terms of a portion every day. So for me, instead of eating three protein bars a day, I said, okay, can I eat one? Can I get one? And then be really intentional with, is this when I want to eat it? And then we can also look at less as in, so I'm going to eat it every other day. Even with wine or or alcohol, you could say, want to drink less. Maybe you've been drinking four glasses of wine a night. Now maybe you go to three and you're like, all right, less right now looks like three. I'm going to drink three and I'm going to know that I'm going to want that fourth one. And I'm just going to say no from a place of self-love and comfort and trusting that I can have three tomorrow night and it's okay. We want to give ourselves permission for what less looks like. It doesn't mean that I can't have something on certain days if you really want it, but we're going to plan it. We're going to be intentional and we're going to plan it before we get hangry, angry, irritated, frustrated with our day. We want to plan it before the big emotions come in and we want to just be able to take our mind off of the food. From there on out, you already know what you're eating for lunch, for dinner, what your snacks are, right? Like it's all mapped out and now you can put your brain and focus it on creating a life that you truly love. That's what we want to start to do because part of it is going to be addressing the food piece. The other part though is creating a life where you're not searching for the primary source of your joy, comfort, peace, delight, or any kind of positive emotion in food. We don't want to be chasing all of our joy and pleasure and excitement in a gallon of ice cream. We do not need food to be the primary positive source of our day. That's what we want to be on the lookout for, which means that we're going to be intentional about what we're eating, and then we are not going to think about it. We don't have to constantly be thinking and worrying and obsessing. We can learn to focus on these other things. And when we take the focus off of the food and off of the scale, and we put it onto living a life and building the habits that you truly want, that's when we find success. That's really when we start to build the life that we crave, not just the body. Because having the body you crave isn't gonna mean shit if you don't have a life that you absolutely love. We can do both together at the same time. Let's create the body and the life. You ready? If you need some help with that this year, then I would love to chat and help you create a process and a system that's going to work for you, for your lifestyle, for your tastes and preferences to where you can be successful. I have been so thrilled and so excited to see all the results of my clients from last year and just how everything compounds. I get so excited and so thrilled that women have stopped binging. They've stopped emotionally eating. They're so much more aware and conscious of what they're eating. I had one client who she lost seven pounds in December eating more carbs than she typically does And she's still crushing it, right? Like she's still enjoying foods that she likes. She's still eating and enjoying baking with her kids. She's still doing fun things. She's enjoying the holidays. She's going to parties. She's hosting events. And she's still losing weight. And it's just, it's so amazing to see this and to see other women having so much success with this. And that's why I know that this will work for everybody. I've had clients as young as 20 and as old as 8. Okay, there is... No difference. You can lose the weight too, but we have to rewire your brain. We have to start to change how you think about food and your body because that is ultimately what's going to be what drives the action. That's going to be what helps you to create this consistency and make this sustainable. So if that's what you want to create this year is to lose the weight and never fear gaining it back again, to live at peace and ease and in control around food at all times, then I would love to check head over to wwwbodyucravecom forward slash schedule. Find a day and time on my calendar that works for you. And we're just going to chat for a bit. And we'll talk about where you are now, where you want to be by this summer. What would feel amazing? How much do you want to weigh? What do you want life to look like when we head into 2024? That's what we want to be working on now. is really setting the stage of these are the things that you want to finish out this year doing. And I can help you with that. I'm going to help you put all the pieces together in a way that feels seamless and sustainable and that accounts for the obstacles and the challenges that you specifically face. And I'll help you see and I'll point that out and show you like what's really standing in your way because I guarantee it's not the carbs, it's not the cookies, it's not the wine, but I'll help you see what really is so that you can make peace with it, so that you can feel in control around all food at all times. If that's on your bucket list, if that is on your New Year's resolution, if something you want to do, then I would love to chat. All right, y'all. Happy January. So excited to be back. Feels so good. All right, y'all. Have a fabulous week. Here's to creating the life and body you crave.